Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Cannon, and I'm the host of Armchair Historians. What's your favorite history? Each episode begins with this one question. Our guests come from all walks of life. YouTube celebrities, comedians, historians, even neighbors from the small mountain community that I live in. They're people who love history and get really excited about a particular time, place, or person from our distant or not-so-distant past. The jumping-off point is the place where they became curious, then entered the rabbit hole into discovery. Fueled by an unrelenting need to know more, we look at history through the filter of other people's eyes. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. Armchair Historians is an independent, commercial-free podcast. If you'd like to support the show and keep it ad-free, you can buy us a cup of coffee through Ko-fi, or you can become a patron through Patreon. Links to both in the episode notes. Hello, fellow armchair historians. Anne-Marie here. I'd like to start off by thanking all our Ko-fi and Patreon supporters. Your support means the world to us. I'd also like to remind you of some other ways that you can support the show. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, you can leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Every little bit helps. This week, we pick up where we left off last time with Stephanie and Elise of Denver Ghost Hunters. And they share with us some digital recordings or EVPs of disembodied voices and line up the history with the recordings. Many of DGH's local haunts are steeped in the spiritual residue of people who came to the mountains to create a new life, some with success and some without. Ghost hunter and psychic Stephanie shares the evolution of her supernatural skills and how she and her team utilize the tools at their disposal, including her psychic abilities, ghost hunting equipment, and the intuition of the team to match up a haunted site's history with paranormal evidence whenever possible. Moving on, I guess I want a story from each of you, like the one story that you've experienced in your investigations that really convinced you that, yeah, definitely this is a thing. This is for yeah, real. Sorry. Yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> Stephanie's going through her whole life story here. <laughs> but I I know I've, I don't have this huge impacting story, but I never really believed in ghosts, which is interesting why I even got into it in the first place. I'm just a curious person, and everybody has a ghost story. So I wanted to learn more about it, signed up for ghost hunting class. And the very first class was at Cheeseman Park and something was pulling my hair. And the person teaching the class is like, did you feel that? That's a ghost. And I'm like, what? No, but it kept happening. That is what really got me hooked. And from that point forward, you know, there's something that happens every time. I'm never not amazed most of the times when we go out. Like I think the second time was up in Central City and I was up on a stage standing next to a violin and it just plucked like a violin pluck noise. And it was just me, myself and I, and I'm looking at the violin going, um, what was that? You know, and it's those little things every time that keep me 
completely addicted. I had a similar, if we were at the same place. The Belvedere. The Belvedere. I was standing with one other woman and we heard a man's voice talking to us and we were the only two there and we're the only, we were both women. Um, So those kind of moments. And it's funny because I don't remember reading that site at all. I just remember having those sort of like visceral experiences where we heard or felt things you know, I've had them like, you, it is funny wh- when they pull your hair and things like that, I guess it'll kind of freak you out a little bit. You're like, Oh, you're surprised. I'll tell a little bit of a really personal story. I, well, I had lost my grandfather. He was sick in the hospital and had chosen not to get treatment. So he was, we were, we we're getting ready for him to pass. And so I was with him. He started talking about seeing his brother who had passed along before him. And I remember the room suddenly, like he had lost consciousness, at the, I think at this point, but the room felt really crowded. It was just me and my mom, but it felt like there was 20 people standing in this little hospital room. It, that's, that's how it felt. And then all of a sudden it went, and it was empty. And everything was empty. And my mom and I looked at my grandpa and we were, and even though he was still like breathing and on support and all that <laughs> that stuff, we were both like, oh, he's gone. And we just kind of knew that. Um, so it's just one of those things where like that re-validated, you know, there's more stuff happening behind the scenes than we know or what we can see or, or understand. That's interesting. I had a similar experience when my mom passed. When my dad passed, I felt like the room had filled up with this spirit. It was really weird. And I felt this comfort and security and this undeniable truth that there is an afterlife. When my mom died, so my mom was afraid to die. She was sick for a couple years and she was doing all the extra things to stay alive. And then uh, she finally... And I remember she apologized. She apologized for that, but she was so scared. She didn't believe that there was anything else uh, in the afterlife. I think she just didn't know. Maybe she was agnostic. But so when my mom, I was with her. It was a weird thing. I shouldn't have been with her, but I was with her. It was me and my brother, Marty. We were on either side of her. And then my sister ended up coming in uh, to the house. But When my mom died, it was like, it was just like that. It was like the room was vacant. My mother was not there. Whereas my dad, when he died, the room filled up with his spirit. That's how it felt. And I just had this feeling that when she died, she had no idea that she was going to reconnect with her loved ones. And I don't even know if I believe this stuff, but this is a thought that comes into my head and this is my thinking. And it's so clear and so vivid that that's what I go with is that she was reunited and she was so overwhelmed. She had no idea it was going to be like that. I don't know. I'm, I don't consider myself sensitive, but I have had things Yeah, happen. I think after that, my aunt and uncle had inherited my grandpa's TV and it kept turning on on and off at like 2 and 3 in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's just a grandpa. He's saying hi. <laughs> you know, and those stories are, are really powerful too, having those experiences. And it's really hard to lose them. But my experience, you, you don't lose them. They're They're still around. They're still doing whatever they need to do and it's okay because a lot of the stuff that we run into we go to happy places right if you're gonna die and you want to haunt something you're gonna go haunt your local bar or you're gonna go back to work i hope i'm going to the bar 
One of the other questions I ask, where do we see this history in pop culture? You know, Cheeseman is the basis for a bunch of different different things. So the movie Poltergeist, right, where they're like, they moved the headstones, but they left the bodies. Um, I think there's another movie, I think, from the 70s called The Changeling. That was based on Cheeseman Park as well, of houses that people had lived in by Cheeseman Park. Potentially, maybe even the Waring House. I'm not sure. Yeah, they claim that it is. That it is, yeah. There's many houses that are... That fit, fit that. So that idea of moving the headstones, but not moving the bodies. I just used that the other day for something. Yeah, yeah. It's popular culture for that, you know, for sure. And then you've got a ton of, you know, you've got a ton of pop culture, too, around, like, you know, Doc Holliday or different characters from the Wild West, you know, they were here. And so you'll see that in pop culture, too. I always think that's, that's fun. Elise, did you have anything to add about that? You made me think about vampires suddenly, though, in the Lafayette Cemetery. Do you know about the Lafayette Cemetery? No, I don't. Yeah, there's a grave there that's very famous for a vampire that is buried there, supposedly. And there's a tree growing out of the, there's a tombstone and it's old and written in cement and the tombstone said he was from Transylvania, but the history proves that he actually was and he was from Austria. But it says Transylvania on his tomb and he has a big tree right in the center. And there's two people buried there, but it's right in the center of the tombstone. And there used to be these huge rose branches on either side. And they said those were his fingernails. Because he was really... And that was the, the stake, right? Yeah, was, the stake in the heart that grew a tree and the rose bushes for his fingernails that are continuing to grow. Yeah. And the really fun EVP that we got there was um, we had shown up late to an investigation and we had an EVP where some ladies were like, you're late. <laughs> yeah, there were two women that spoke to us through EVP, not not the vampire. And they said, whoever you are, you're very late. <laughs> And then another lady said in a very sexy voice, you're late, you're late. <laughs> so you you said you had some EVPs that you wanted to okay, share with us. See. We can talk about the Oxford. I think I can get that one to play. All right. Okay, so maybe you can tell us the story behind it. She says, it's over. Bye. And this we got at the Oxford Hotel, downtown Denver. And there's a story about a tragedy that happened. And they say room 320. And this was in 1898. But basically, there was a um, love triangle. And there was a murder-suicide that happened in 320. And so the really interesting part is... We were there not even to ghost hunt. We were there for my bachelorette party. And Elise gets this phone call that's kind of weird. I'll let you kind of describe it. Yeah, we were packing up and it was a f- my phone rang and it had no information whatsoever. It didn't say unknown caller. There was no, you know, spam caller. It was just blank, but it was re- ringing. So I was like, well, I don't know what this is, but I'm busy. Put it in my pocket and then it beeped. And left a message, and the message had no information either. And I'm like, this is so strange. And that's what we got when I played it. Somebody, phone calls from the dead. Yeah. It's over. Bye. And so it's kind of an interesting thing because the girlfriend was supposedly the one who killed the husband in the murder-suicide. 
Or at least that's the story, right? Yeah. And this is a typical, did we prove something here? We don't know because our party was over too. So that's where I first went with this. (laughs) But then we started looking at the history of things that have happened there. And could this have been the woman communicating with us? So we'll never know. (laughs) I have Lafayette. Okay. That's the one. So I don't know if you can hear, I'll play it one more time, but you'll hear this whisper that says you're late. And then you'll say, you'll hear, whoever you are, you're late. Yeah, I I could hear that. I could hear that. Just makes you wonder what's the story, but I'm a writer, so I write fiction and... It's a great prompt for a story, I guess. Yeah, we totally go there every time. <laughs> I have an EVP that I'll share with you oh, guys yeah. awesome. if you want to hear it. Yes. I'll tell you the story about it. So I did ask for permission to use this EVP from a local museum. First, I'll play the original recording without augmentation or removing background noise. You might want to turn up your volume so you can hear it. We hear the female investigator who captured this digital audio recording in the very beginning, and she whispers, is there anybody here today? And that is the only thing the investigator says through the whole recording. And then she picks up what sounds like the disembodied voice of a man who seems to be whispering back to her. It's very difficult to discern exactly what he's saying, but there are a couple things that come across pretty clearly in the recording. The first thing he says that's clear is, I work here. And then the next thing that we hear that we understand is the name Joe. Here, let me play it for you again, but this time with the augmented audio. We keep coming back to the two things that we feel we can hear are, I work here. Oh, that's the here part that I keep hearing. And then he says, he says also, we believe Joe. Joe. And that's the part that I was hearing go on. And there's more now that I've had it like augmented, there's more. And I've had different people pick out different things that I can't. 
commit to believing that that's what it says or not. We're committed to this idea that that's what it says. Initially, the museum director said, well, there was no Joe that worked here. And then he did research and he found out. Well, and then the other thing is like, we hear Irene say, is there anybody here today? And then there's a pause. And then it's almost like a footstep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Heard and that. then we start hearing this person is mumbling. It sounds like a man's voice. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like he has this awareness that somebody hears him. And then we have some clarity in his words. So he, when he did the research, what he found out is, yes, there was a Joe. There was a person that went by the name Joe. It was a French-sounding name. I don't remember what it is. It's something Joseph, something else but that he went by Joe. He was from Canada and he came here and he learned how to uh, run a bakery and a restaurant. And Joe is actually working in the kitchen. And he was such an important part of the hotel. I mean, regardless of whether that's actually what's being said or not, it, it like opened up this whole new story. And Joe is running the whole hotel. And upon the death of the proprietor, Joe inherits $500 back in 1800s, turn of the century, in their will. Regardless wow, of whether story. we had it all wrong of what's being said, there is obviously something happens, there's a voice, and it's oh, yeah. like, where did that come from? Yeah. So Yeah, and everybody has a bias, too, when you're listening to things. Everybody is biased, so it's always interesting hearing what... Other people think. So I always think I'm crazy sometimes because I hear things so clearly, but people hear something completely different. Yeah. You never know. I like the story behind this one. Can we play you one more? Yeah, totally. To get this one. Yeah. Okay. In this one, this is at the Forney Museum. So the interesting part here is the actual building we don't really think is haunted. It's the vehicles and cars that are haunted in there. It's just, Dawn isn't there yet. So it's just women talking through this and you hear a man's voice and the interesting part is the vehicle that we got it by the man who designed it was crushed and killed by the the vehicle so it was kind of kind of interesting so the forty museum is it's downtown denver and it is a museum that houses all sorts of different types of transportation so they have everything from horse-drawn carriages to they have the big boy rail car the rail they have a bunch yes. of different rail cars classic cars they have motorcycles bikes just everything yeah they have a lot of different any type of transportation it was like a it was this weird experiment car that was like a car a boat and a plane right yeah so it's his creation and while he was working on his creation it actually killed him so you'll hear a lot of noise and you'll hear um a lot of females talking but then you hear a very frustrated person at the end so if you heard oh my god in a man's voice that is the evp you want us to play it one more time yes she was saying this yeah i definitely heard it that time 
Oh, it's a very frustrated man trying to be heard. And you can, what you probably can't hear in this, you know, holding it up against the speaker is there's a whole bunch of whispering also. So he's trying to get their attention and then just blows up frustrated. Well, you definitely do hear that. Oh my God, it's very clear. So, okay, let me play devil's advocate. If there are spirits out there, uh, there's an afterlife. Why is it so subtle the way that we pick things up and so subtle to the point that we we really have to be skeptical and always question? You're, you're really into the philosophical nature of things here. <laughs> but like, I mean, if you think about it, if we could see and hear and, and experience all of this stuff all the time, would we get anything else done? In some ways, I think it's sort of a blessing to be kind of blind to a lot of it because... I think then when the sun goes down and it gets dark and you you cuddle next to your family and you start to think about other things and you open your mind to stuff, I think those are those times where we get to really touch that other side. It's a great question. I've never thought about it. Yeah, it's a great question. It seems like we've spent a lot of nights, you know, discussing all sorts of theories and thoughts, not quite on that one. Well, I just think that like if I could communicate with my loved ones after I die, of course, I would, I would like be up in their face. I would be, you know, and so I'm always a skeptic. I'm always a skeptic, even though I've had my own experiences. I shared one that was really important to me, but I'm always a skeptic. And I was going to ask you after that, both of you, if you feel like you've been visited from, from them later on, because- that's always an interesting, I've definitely, you know, my parents are still here, but Dave's, my husband's are not. And I think that they do come visit and give signs. Yeah. I had a dream about my grandfather, um, maybe a year or so later and he was young in my dream, which is, you know, I, I only knew him as an old man, but he was young and he was actually in his, his military outfit, mm-hmm. which I know was like a really important part of his life. And he was like, he's like, I'm good. I gotta go. I'm meeting girls. Like it was just this, like you know, great. And I was like, about it, and I woke up and I was like, he's good. He's he's out. He's doing yeah. his thing, right? Like I uh, I felt really good after I. And it was such a random dream to have that of things that were not contextual, you know, imprinted in my brain of of him being you know young and having fun. Like that wasn't that wasn't who my grandpa was. He was an old yeah. cranky man. <laughs> So that's who he was when he was young in the service, meeting girls. So, yeah, I have had these experiences. So I told you when my mom passed, like that moment, I felt like such an emptiness in the room. Visceral experience. Probably Stephanie understands what I'm saying. But then, so she died November 11th in 2017. And then I went back to help my sisters clean out my mom's house. And I remember my niece saying that she felt my mother like visiting the house, visiting in here in Colorado. And then I had this weird experience where, so I love the show, um, the podcast, The Moth, which is a storytelling have you ever listened to it? It's a storytelling kind of podcast and um, they do shows, they do live shows and you can basically, they have them in different major metropolitan areas 
And there was going to be one in Pittsburgh, which is where my mom lived and where her house was. And for some reason, I can't remember, but I knew that if I went there, they were going to be having the moth at the a local venue and that I knew that if I was going to put my name in the basket that I would get picked. I just knew this. And a lot of people go there and put their name in the hat and don't get picked. But I was like, I just knew it was going to happen. And I put my name in the hat. And I know this sounds completely unrelated to my mother's death, but in my mind, it's connected. And I was the second name picked. And it was just weird. It was like, a couple times in my life, I've had that surety of something. Like I knew as if it was ESP or being a psychic or whatever. But I've had these times when I just knew something was going to happen. Doesn't happen a lot, but that was one of those times. And that was like a big dream of mine to get up on the stage and do that. So that's amazing. I, I love it. I think that's great. Yeah. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to add? that we haven't discussed. One of the things that we like to do is we do have a, a Facebook site, which is Denver ghost hunters at Facebook. And we love having people share stories on there, which is really fun, but we'll also post different articles of, of anything that's ghostly in the news or, or different stories. I know there's a couple of like Colorado history stuff that we'll, we'll put on there that talks about ghostly encounters around Colorado or around the area, that's a great place to be able to post stuff and and share with others. That was my next question is where can we find you? Um, And I'll definitely link out to all the places that you talk about. So Facebook is one of them. I know you have a website. Yep. DenverGhostHunters.com. So if somebody wanted to utilize your services, how would they go about doing that? They can contact us through Facebook or we have a contact area i think on the website they can send us uh, an email and talk about you know what they what they're interested in if uh if it doesn't really kind of fit with our mission and our group um of what we do we we know a ton of other groups and so we'll connect people with things that line up for them too so so what is your mission <laughs> why did i know she's ah, she gonna ask us. <laughs> um so our our mission uh originally it's kind of an interesting story because we had been ghost hunting for quite a few years when all the television shows came out. And before, mm-hmm. before that, you know, you don't really talk about ghost hunting. <laughs> it was kind of this sort of secret, you know, hobby that we had. So when all the TV shows came out, there was a huge interest from people. They're like, I want to learn how to do that. I want to do that. And a lot of the old ghost hunting groups, they were not really taking on new memberships. And so one of our things was to educate people how to do this safely, how to, how to go about doing ghost hunting, but then to also, you know, connect them within the community and to connect other groups in the community to share evidence and to share those experiences. And so that was part of our, our original mission was to really bring people together that were, you know, our groups hadn't done that before. Is ghost hunting ever not safe? Because you did say something about making sure you do it safely. Yeah, there are a few things. One is you really don't want to trespass on people's property, people's land. One of the big haunts that I'm really connected to is Riverdale Road. It's it's a it's a major roadway. <laughs> you have to be very careful if you're getting out of your car to ghost hunt or do anything really on that road. So it's one of those things you don't want to go, you know, wandering through a cemetery in the middle of the night by yourself. 
I wouldn't worry about ghosts. I would worry about other crazy people out there. (laughs) Trying to make sure that people are smart about the decisions that they make when they're wanting to go have those experiences. What is your website again? Uh, DenverGhostHunters.com. Stephanie and Elise, I really enjoyed talking to you tonight. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's been a blast. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. There you have it. Elise and Stephanie of Denver Ghost Hunters. I hope you've enjoyed our History and Haunting October series as much as I've enjoyed recording it. To find out more about Denver Ghost Hunters and Stephanie and Elise, be sure to check out our episode notes. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.